Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So this guy, Jarjang, from China, age, six, age 16, moves to America, wants to be the next Bill Gates. Yeah, sound familiar? Um, so, so this chap um, really wants to make lots of money, but it wasn't happening. His, businesses, his business ideas weren't taking off. And he, as he thought about why, why can't I be the next Bill Gates? Why can't I be successful? He thought it's because he thought it had a fear of rejection. He had a fear of, of being turned down, and he thought, that's, that's what's holding me back. So he decided to challenge himself to overcome this fear of rejection by staring it in the face. And so when he was 30 years old, he decided he was going to spend 100 days, and every day he was going to do something where he was almost certain to be rejected. So some crazy stuff, just so he could get used to people saying no, uh, and, and, and so he wouldn't fear it, because he'd get used to being rejected. And he did some really odd things, and you can read, read about them in a book that he wrote, which is how I know about him. It's a book called Rejection Proof, which is quite funny at times. Here's some examples. Uh, when he was on an aeroplane, he went and spoke to the flight attendant and asked if he could make an announcement on the loudspeaker. Uh, he went into Krispy Kremes, you know, the donut place. Uh, and he asked, he ordered, or he asked uh, for donuts in the shape of the Olympic symbol, you know, interlinked with different coloured icing on the top. Uh, and one of my favourites was uh, he got dressed up in a football kit, a soccer kit. So he had shin pads, socks, shorts, top, football, age 30. He went and knocked on a random person's house and asked if he could play football in his back garden. So he did some really strange things every day, a different thing, just so he could get used to people saying no to him. Um, and the really strange thing was, lots of people actually said yes to some of his random requests. Uh, Lizzie said, if I don't tell you about those other ones, you'd be wondering for the rest of the time what people said. So just to let you know, those three examples, on the aeroplane, the person did let him do an announcement. Uh, when he went to Krispy Kremes, they did do their best to make what he asked for. And randomly, the guy who he knocked on the door said he could play football in his back garden because he thought it was so weird, he thought he'd say yes. But the reason I'm telling you about this guy is to point out how his mindset affected his behaviour. He was being led by his determination to face up to rejection, and his motives might have actually been more about him wanting to make loads of money. That was the root of what that was all about, but it affected his behaviour, even if it was just for 10 minutes every day when he did those challenges. And today's passage that we're going to look at focuses on what drives our motives and how that affects our behaviour. And we'll see that there are two driving forces in all of our lives. And they can affect your relationships, they can affect the things you think about, and they can affect how you feel. And I want us to get excited about the difference that God's Spirit can make in our lives, not just for 10 minutes every day or every week when we gather at church, but in all parts of our lives. Now, at this point, I'm supposed to have asked someone to be prepared to read the Bible passage, which I haven't done. So I'll hand over to myself to read the Bible passage, which is Romans chapter 8. So if you've, if you've got a Bible, do turn to that. Romans chapter 8, and it's from verses 5 to verse 8. 
And it says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So let's take a look at what life according to the flesh looks like. It's not a term we tend to hear outside church. But it's not one I've ever heard at work, people talking about the flesh. Um, and I have to say, I know nothing about the original Greek language that this letter was written in. But I can tell you that my Bible has a helpful little footnote at the bottom of this page. Uh, and it tells me that the Greek word for the flesh written here refers to the sinful state of human beings and that it's often in opposition to the spirit. So what's it say in that little passage about the flesh? I'll just pull those bits out. So it talks about how our minds can be set on what the flesh desires. It talks about how our minds can be governed by the flesh. That's like controlled by the flesh. It associates flesh with death, with being hostile to God, not submitting to God's law, and that it cannot do so. And that in the realm of the flesh, we cannot please God. So in summary, it's bad. That's the message we're meant to be hearing there. And if you want some practical examples of what uh, life according to the flesh looks like, there's a whole list towards the start of this letter, the letter to the church in Rome, um, which I considered reading, but I thought it'd take too long. So I thought I'd skip that and tell you about another shorter list uh, which describes what life in the flesh is like. And that is written in a letter to a different church, the church in Galatia. So the book in the Bible called Galatians, in chapter 5, it says this about the flesh. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, which is a lack of agreement or trust between people, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, I think that means like quarrelling, factions, I think that means breakaway groups or cliques, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, I don't know about you, as you heard that list, you might not be involved in witchcraft, but there's definitely some in that list that I think we can all relate to, and that this is a battle that we all face every single day. There was one guy in the Bible who um, really knew how living according to the flesh leads to death. And that guy was David. Uh, When you think of David, you think, what an amazing guy. He was like a hero. Um, And let's just have a little reminder. So David, you'll be familiar with the story. It was a young lad, David v. Goliath. The whole of the country are scared of this big guy, Goliath. No one dares to take him on. And then there's young David. He volunteers to fight him when no one else in Israel dared. And he ends up beating Goliath and uh, he becomes a national hero in Israel. And then if you fast forward a few years, 
David becomes the king of Israel when he's 30 years old. And he sees God do some incredible things. And David shows deep devotion to God. I, I really like uh, another uh, part of the Bible in the book 2 Samuel in chapter 6. And it tells us just how um, truly David worships God. Um, I don't know if you know the scene, but um, he worships God so much that his wife is embarrassed by him. And it's as they're bringing that thing, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, he's taken 30,000 men with him. That's a lot of people, right? 30,000 men. He's taken 30,000 men with him. They're bringing back this Ark of the Covenant um, towards Jerusalem. And it describes in the Bible how David is half naked, dancing before the Lord with all his might. I don't think I've ever danced with all my might in my life. But can you imagine doing that half naked in front of 30,000 people uh, in his worship to the Lord? And uh, David then goes on to become the best-selling worship songwriter of all time. Uh, If you read the Psalms, most of those Psalms, or many of those Psalms, are written by David, uh, reflecting on how much he adores God and, and how he goes to God in the good times and he goes to God in the bad times. So... Incredible, what a worshipper. But he messed up big time. Don't know if you remember how he allowed his mind to be governed by the flesh, controlled by the flesh, when he spotted a woman bathing on her roof. And David ends up going to commit adultery with her. And then he arranges for her husband's death. That was after all the stuff I've just talked about. And thankfully, he later realised just how terrible his actions were, and he repented. So David knew how dangerous it was to allow his mind to be controlled by the flesh, and it literally led to deadly consequences. But the amazing thing is, we have something that David didn't have. We know the Holy Spirit was at work in his life in some way, but not in the way that the Holy Spirit is available to us, to you and to me. After Jesus returned to heaven, you remember following his resurrection, he promised the Holy Spirit to us who believe, and that enables us to live differently. So let's have a look now at how the Spirit makes a difference. And we can do that by jumping back into that letter to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 5, where we're told this about the work of the Spirit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I want to encourage us that that can be our experience. That we don't have to be filled with anger or with hatred or lose control. That we can change. Whether we're coming to Jesus for the first time or as we're asking him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, and to be at work among us. 
Um, at the start of January, in our community group, so the group we meet in the week, um, uh, in our community group, we've got a WhatsApp group. And uh, in the WhatsApp group, we each shared at the beginning of the year one thing that we wanted prayer for, for the year ahead. And I asked uh, that for prayer that I would be able to be more intentional in various ways, including as a husband, that I'd be able to be more proactive. Because I know, I don't know about you, I know I can just drift through life. Um, sometimes, in, and I've, I've lost count of how many times I've put off decisions um, and that that's affected our family and that uh, I've procrastinated. Or all the times that Lizzie has kindly, gently, lovingly given me some easy tips on maybe how I could be a little bit more thoughtful. And despite the best uh, intentions, all of these, these things, they, they kind of go into one ear. I don't know, they don't hang around very long, but they go out the other ear. And I seem incapable of changing. But I don't know what's happened to me in the past month. Um, but I can honestly tell you, I, I feel so different. Um, I just know that God is doing a deep work in me at the moment, both in my relationship with Lizzie and in my relationship um, with God. Lizzie started to call it my enlightenment. My kids say I'm having a midlife crisis. But... I really feel that since we've been praying as a church, asking God for his Holy Spirit to move in our lives, um, I really feel that this is an area in which my mind is becoming governed, being con more controlled by the Spirit, and not my flesh. And I've seen how selfish I've been at times in my marriage, but I've also seen how it's been the same with my relationship with God. And I feel so grateful that he is enabling me to change. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I felt like my faith's got, getting a bit stale or am I getting stuck in a rut or am I just becoming a bit too comfortable? And maybe I think, oh, well, this is just who I am or this is the way it's going to be for a long time or think I can't see things changing in this area or that area. But I really want to encourage us that they can. That those areas in your life that you know are governed by the flesh or you're struggling with them being governed, controlled by the flesh, that they can be taken over by the Spirit, that he can bring life and peace into your lives in, lives in those areas. And I really think that God is up to something among us as a church at the moment. And this week in our community group, Andy really encouraged uh, as all well, really encouraged me when he shared how God's been moving in him uh, over the past few weeks as well. And so I've asked Andy if he'll just share a little bit um, about how the Lord's been moving in his life. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Tom. Yeah, completely agree. God is doing something among us. And I, I'm a complete stranger to sort of overwhelming emotional experiences, let alone overwhel overwhelming emotional experiences sort of from God. Uh, but last Saturday, I was in my car I had like a two hour car journey ahead of me and I got in my car and I spent the first hour just thinking about all the things that were stressing me out. And I was in silence just processing everything and thinking, how can I fix this? How can I fix that? And it took me an hour to get through everything. I was getting more and more stressed and uh, more and more anxious about how I was going to get everything sorted. And all the while feeling really guilty about not being able to just, you know, hand all this stuff over to God and be worry free. 
and it got me really down, to be honest. Um, and then after about an hour, I thought, right, let's, let's do something about it. Stick some worship music on, and I put on a really old worship playlist of mine in the car. Started sort of begrudgingly singing along to these songs. Like, and then eventually, a song came on uh, that was all about all the different things the world can offer us and how none of, this, none of them will fill us up. And there was a line that said, if you're running on empty, dot, 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 come to the well. The song's called The Well. It's an old favourite of mine. And, uh, and it had never hit me like it did in that moment. Like, it smacked me around the head, honestly. Like, I was, I just, I felt like, not, not in sort of, in words, but that God was saying to me, look, you are empty, but you can come to me and I will fill you. And in that time, like, I was, I was weeping. I had to pull over because it was dangerous to drive. Like, I was, I was weeping in my car thinking, like, God, you are faithful and with me now. And in the last week, Nothing's like got better, like in the sort of the circumstance. There's still things that are stressful. Uh, in fact, the car that I was driving is now in the in the garage. <laughs> but I've been able to face these things with a sense of like joy and peace that can only be the fruit of the spirit. Like there's no other explanation. So I'm just thankful. I want I want to just encourage you to ask God to meet with you in ways that you you know you're not necessarily comfortable with because it's great. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Brilliant. And it's funny, Lizzie had to point out that we've been praying for the Holy Spirit. Like I was saying to her, Lizzie, there's something going on in me at the moment. And um, uh, yeah, then Lizzie mentioned, well, we have been praying for the Holy Spirit over the past few weeks. Uh, and I think I was kind of thinking, well, there's that 10-minute block at the end of the service. Isn't that when something's going to happen with the Holy Spirit? But actually, it does. The Lord does meet when we're, meet us when we're here. But um, the Lord is interested in our whole lives, isn't he? Um, so I've been really encouraged by that. So I think that's really exciting. Thanks, Andy, for sharing that. I really believe God is moving and wants to move by his Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Um, so let's be encouraged and let's keep asking him to do that. So what can we do about it? What are the practical takeaways to help us live differently and according to his spirit? Looking at that passage, that really short passage that we've looked at today, there are two main things I can see. So the first one, we need to rebel against the flesh. We need to be proactive about that. We need to recognise where is the flesh governing or controlling your mind? And we need to turn away. Or as Galatians puts it in that passage I read earlier, we need to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. I mean, that is pretty ruthless, right? Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. So what might that look like for you? Are there situations in which your mind is more likely to end up being governed by the flesh? Are there certain conversations that aren't healthy? We all struggle with aimless browsing of social media that leaves us feeling discontent and bitter or jealous. And remember how ruthless Jesus was when talking about this. He said if your hand causes you to sin, to chop it off. So sometimes we do have to make difficult decisions, difficult choices that don't feel nice, but we know that they're the right thing to do. Or maybe you're struggling with anxiety or thoughts that you know aren't true and that maybe they're taunting you. Maybe you feel like the flesh has taken over the steering wheel of your mind. Perhaps you've been struggling with something on your own for a long time. What's that thing you've almost given up hoping will change in you? Or maybe what happened to David strikes a chord. Perhaps you've had some amazing times with God in the past, but it's as if the flesh has 
snuck back in to take control. Well, it's time to rebel against the flesh and to not just put up with it. But we don't just rebel against the flesh. That would be quite miserable to be on the defensive the whole time in whatever your struggle might be. No, we get to replace the flesh with something else. God's Holy Spirit. And later in Romans, in this book, it tells us how incredible God's Holy Spirit is. It says, and I really love this, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. It's the same spirit, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. How powerful is that? So let's continue to uh, welcome God's spirit in our lives. Let's ask God to help us listen to his spirit here and now and through the week. But don't try and do this all on your own. I think it's really important to speak with somebody else about um, where you know the flesh is governing your mind. To ask for prayer. To keep talking about it. To ask God to help you to live according to his Holy Spirit. And if his spirit can breathe life into a dead body, then he can sure bring life into those areas of your mind where you need change. And just to end thinking about David, he may have made some horrifying decisions. He let the flesh run wild as he stole someone's wife, then plotted uh, his murder. But his response, our response needs to be the same as his. He turned back to God. He asked for forgiveness and he asked for God's help. And he writes about this in Psalm 51. He says this, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And he continues a bit later on. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me.